Friends, you guys can go ahead and be dismissed. Middle schoolers, I want you to hang around here for a minute. You guys will be dismissed in just a few minutes. Well, as I said, we uh, just finished, kind of today is the the ending of our our Way of Jesus series, and um, I didn't go back and specifically count, but I'm, I'm guessing that it was probably around 20 different messages on just kind of the way Jesus operated as Savior. And we looked at a ton of different topics. We started with uh, the way of downward mobility, took a look at how that kind of, uh, you know, butts up against the American dream and what we talk about in our culture, a lot of upward mobility. And just the tension, I think, definitely for me from the very beginning was very, very real of just like, wow, you know, even in the church sometimes I think we we kind of live into this American dream, upward mobility mindset. And so it's been very challenging. We've looked at things like Jesus' way of compassion, his way of purpose, his way of tears, his way of submission, his way of abundance, his way of death, his way of resurrection. And, you know, as we've always talked about here at church, you know, only one of the very small pieces of what I'm really doing on Sunday morning, whoever up here is speaking, is passing on information to you. And that's an important piece of it. But uh, as a culture of Americans, we, we don't hurt for information. I mean, we're saturated with books. We're saturated with radio programs where you could hear a sermon every hour of every day of every week. And probably a lot better than me. Um, you're supposed to be like, no, no. <laughs> then you're all just like, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so it's, it's not, you know, we don't need more information in America. What we need is to be transformed, to be more like Jesus, and to change. And that takes time. And that, that's a huge struggle for us because we don't, a lot of times, have a lot of margin, a lot of space in our schedules to, to take what we heard on Sunday morning and really to sit down in stillness before God and his word and maybe a community of brothers and sisters we're living life with and say, God, what are you saying to me in this? You know, we talked about this topic on Sunday, but specifically, what are you asking me to do with this information that I've, I've now been exposed to? And that change process is, is, is difficult and time-consuming. Uh, any of you guys that have tried to change anything about the way you operate, those ingrained patterns in your life that are sinful, that are destructive to yourself and to others, you know how hard it is to get traction in those things. So that's why here we tend to speak thematically and try to stick on a topic like this for months so that hopefully as this just kind of gets ingrained and beaten into you that you're just like, okay, like I need to, to start doing something here. So a couple weeks ago, I sat down, I sent out a text actually to my staff, and I was like, hey, who in our congregation that you've come across paths with at maybe a small group or maybe you've been out to lunch with them after church that you know has been wrestling with this sermon series? And, and you've seen them really kind of try to get some traction and some change in their life. And so I got some names back and, and began sifting through those and kind of landed on the folks that are going to be sharing here this morning. So could have been a lot of others of you that I know are also wrestling through this and changing a lot, but today we're going to hear from a couple of folks that I'm really excited to hear from. They sent me their notes of, you know, kind of their outline, and I was like, wow, this is good stuff. I'm so excited for you guys to get to hear the way God has been working in their lives. So we're going to start off this morning uh, with Sam and Wyatt Jones, and um, so you guys come on up, and let's give them a round of applause before... just for being willing to get up here. So excited. Go ahead.
Hello, everyone. Settle in. Sam's got like six chapters to get through. So when I'm done talking, she's gonna. There's gonna be a lot. So um, anyway, I'd have to say that through this sermon series, <clears throat> um, it's been impeccable timing for us. Um, it's been really impactful for the two of us. But um, personally, how's that? Is that better? All right. Thank you. Um, I've been going through a lot of spiritual changes. Um, the past couple months, and um, not only has Bob's sermon series provided a lot of new revelations for me, um, he's provided a bunch of confirmations that of just things that I've learned on my own outside of church. So, um, one of the sermons that st- stood out to me the most was um, the Jesus way of initiating. Um, and in that sermon, Bob shared the story of, um, the old woman, is it in Luke, I think, where the old woman's hunched over and, um, very handicapped, I guess. And, um, for many, many years, this, these were her circumstances. So, um, basically all she could see was her current circumstances, looking at the ground. She couldn't look forward in life figuratively and literally. And, I really, that was some strong imagery for me because that was exactly who I was um, when we started this sermon series. I was just pretty much looking down and only looking at our current circumstances, not looking at what God's vision was for our life, not looking at what we could be, what God intended us to be, um, or what God intended me to be. Um, so that that old woman who was so hunched over had faith and approached Jesus, and Jesus corrected her stature. He restored her. And not only was he able to just teach her this lesson that you need to, you can can look forward through the love of Christ, but her physical stature was completely changed and restored. And that was incredible for me, just because what I had been learning was my, my current circumstances were carrying a lot of shame from my past. Um, I have a relatively short um, period in my life that was very sinful, and I carried shame um, from that very small part of my life. So um, because of that time in my life, I didn't feel worthy of friendships um, within this church. I didn't feel worthy of any sort of leadership in this church, Um, I certainly didn't feel worthy of the redemption of Christ. So although I know the truth, I know that through Jesus we have freedom, um, I didn't live my life that way. So um, I did a pretty good job of just coming to church and surrendering only the submitting, um, only the parts of my life that I was comfortable with. Um, So once I heard this sermon series, and I was also part of a small group of men that really encouraged me to just kind of step out and share those parts of my life that I was just really ashamed of, and I was able to put that shame away, um, and Jesus just restored my stature, I guess, through that time, and um, so it, he just showed me the abundant life that he promised, and I need to look at my notes, make sure I'm not getting lost here. Um, but every day I prayed that God would just continue to open my eyes to the areas of sin that that I just wasn't surrendering to him. 
because I can't surrender my life partially to him. I have to surrender it all. Um, so I was that little old lady <laughs> whenever you said that that day. I was, it, it was incredible to me. I was just like, you know, I was learning all these things on my, in my own studies, and then Bob was like, this is what's going on. This is the truth. This is what's happening in your life right now. And I was like, okay, God. <laughs> all right, Bob, let's... Anyway, um, so that sermon just showed me the, the truth of, you know, what my life really is and that I'm, I'm free um, from being a slave to sin and just um, free from retreating into darkness. Um, and we've been able to establish some, you know, really good friendships with people um, and most importantly just have this relationship with Christ that's just totally honest and totally open. Um, and those personal revelations couldn't help but bleed into our family and into our home life. Um, we had done, a, Sam and I had done a pretty good job of living a normal life, um, raising our kids, our son, <laughs> our kid. Um, <laughs> um, we Just raising him right, you know, bringing him to church, having the things that he needs, um, the experiences that every kid should have, and um, it was it was kind of empty in some ways. We we have a Sam and I have a lot of fun together, um, but we had just kind of lost lost vision, lost sight of what God was really calling us to do. And our conversations used to be things like um, maybe next paycheck we can do this or. We can improve this on our house, or we can buy this so that we feel happier. And it was never, what's, what is God calling us to do? You know, what, what has God had envisioned for us since the day we were married, since the day we were both born? Um, and through this sermon series, which was so real and pretty raw, um, Sam and I would really come home and a lot of times it was hard to break down those barriers. It's so funny how your spouse can sit next to you and you can be nervous about talking to them about God. It's, I think that's just crazy. Um, but we would, you know, it kind of started out. We're like, okay, so are we living the way God intended for us? And then we'd kind of hem and haw around it. And, well, yeah, I mean, we're doing the best we can. You know, things are tough. We're young, blah, blah, blah. And kind of make excuses, but... God was in the conversation. We had invited, in, invited him into our home, invited him into the center of our marriage, although when we first said that, we had no idea what that meant. It sounded so foreign. Um, but then things got a little deeper, and we started um, just kind of asking ourselves some pretty tough questions. And um, I have to read them off the sheet because I don't want to forget any of them. They're important because I think that all of us could be asking ourselves these things. Um, so, are we conducting our small groups in a comfortable, social way, or are we truly being disciples for one another and creating an open environment for God to be the center of our lives? We kind of realized that our small group that we had just started was just going to be a social hour, which is good. We need to live in community, but we weren't setting up an environment for people to open up about Christ and what he's doing in our lives and um, what it means to just fully surrender. Um, another question was, um, which was big for us, are we using Netflix to, dis- to distract us from our emptiness? Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that right now. Um, and one that was really tough 
for both of us was, are we consuming more and more every day to fill a void that only Christ can fill? Um, and then the most important one for me, I think, was, am I doing things to serve my wife and my family, truly serving my wife and family, or am I cleaning, taking care of the house, yard work, etc., to serve my own selfish desires and serve my own selfish time in the attempt to look more put together? So, um, like Wyatt said, we were slaves to our own, like, comfortable life, um, and every decision we made was to ensure the, like, security and happiness of our home. But the more we tried, the emptier we felt, and we just were, like, in a downward spiral, kind of. I was feeling very alone and not led spiritually, um, and so the conversations we started having made me be able to open up about my feelings and actually say them out loud, gave it truth behind it, um, which was very difficult. <laughs> so we just started changing our routine. So in the morning and at night, um, just dedicating time to God and to a couple's devotional instead of watching hours on hours and on hours of the office. So now we do a couple's devotional, or we'll sit on the couch and talk, and then maybe just watch one episode or two of The Office. (laughs) Um, And Wyatt, like he said, he used to be the one that would, he is very um, the clean and neat one of the two of us, so he liked to clean the house, wash the car, pick up the garage, do that kind of fun stuff. Um, so instead now we're really trying to sit down and him listen to me while I talk and pray together and spend time as a family and sometimes clean the house, wash the car and do the dishes. And I don't really care about the garage, but he still does that. Um, so this sermon series for me, um, came at a great time. Um, for me personally, this past year has been a really tough year. Um, I also don't really feel the need to walk openly in friendships within the church. So I kept a lot of my struggles that I've been going through to myself. Um, but Bob's sermon about yoking to one another really spoke to me. Um, a little over a year ago, Wyatt and I started praying that God would bless us with another child. And, um... (laughs) So we're having difficulties, <laughs> and um, a lot of people know, like, if you've had difficulties trying to have a child, that um, your friends, of course, start having children at our age. So you want to be happy for them, um, and it gets hard um, to be happy. You're happy for them, but it also really hurts you. Um, so with all the troubles that we've had, it brought, of course, issues in our marriage, personal insecurities, um, spiritual problems, and battles um, just came to the surface. And I realized that I really needed to open up about my struggles and my feelings to someone else. <laughs> um, so that's when I yoked myself to someone really close to me who would listen to me and speak God's truth to me, even if it was something that I didn't want to hear. Um, so along with this past year, anytime before Wyatt and I talked about adoption, we didn't really feel that we were called to it. Um, 
I don't know if it was that we were really called to it or that we really liked the idea of our comfortable life with our um, two biological children that were exactly two years apart and we, we keep all of our money and live happily ever after and a big house and all that fun stuff. But through this season, God has started to open up my eyes. I wasn't trusting in him with having biological children, and I wasn't listening to his desires for us to adopt. I wasn't being, a, I wasn't being patient for his timing or his plans for our resources. So it's been really good just to know that whatever his plan is, he has plans for our welfare and our abundant life through him. So um, why didn't I realize that we are never going to fill voids that only Christ can fill? So um, I think if we wanted to offer any encouragement um, to people here like us that um, just have struggled, tried to fill voids that only Christ can fill, um, when you're trying to fill those voids with things of this earth, you're just going to continue to feel emptier. Um, one thing that Sam and I both realize is that we you have to open up to people around you and realize that you're not alone ever. Everyone else is struggling with similar things, um, even though it might not be exactly what you're struggling with. The issues in your heart are always going to be so similar. Um, know that having faith in Christ will give you a new perspective on his plan and not just look at your current circumstances or your past, whatever it may be. Um, we also wanted to, just to encourage you to take a deeper, honest look at yourself um, because we looked at ourselves and thought, yeah, we're doing things pretty pretty right. Things are okay. So um, I just say just dig a little deeper because um, sometimes just being honest with yourself, it doesn't hurt just to go, wow, I was really wrong, and I was not surrendering my life to Christ. Um, and we all just desperately need Jesus. So I, um, things might look awesome, but just remember that you always are desperately going to need Jesus, no matter what your circumstances are. That's all we've got for you. Mm. Really proud of you guys. Thank you so much for being willing to do that. Um, that's not easy. A lot of you are thankful that you don't have a mic in your hand right now, right? Um, so there's a lot of themes there from their story that I hope you kind of picked up on, um, everything from, you know, understanding the importance of getting things that have been in the darkness, uh, into the light and understanding that the father who's kind of shining the light in there is a good father, right? That the reason why he's, uh, stirring up some unsettledness in your spirit is because he wants you to be free. He wants you to experience that the life that he came to give, they talked a lot about the importance of community um, and, and doing life with other people and understanding that so many around here are experiencing and going through the same things and how um, encouraging it is for them to know that they're not the only ones who are, are a mess, that, that are broken. You know, and that's so important to hear. And um, I heard a quote several years ago from a friend that said, it goes like this, it says, freedom begets or gives birth to freedom. So as, as somebody's hanging out with me and I'm seeing the freedom that they're experiencing in Christ as they kind of let go of some things and allow God to come and heal, that it gives freedom to others around them. Other people around them are like, man, I want that freedom, 
right? And so we've got to be open and vulnerable and share some things because then it gives people hope. Um, and it also communicates to other folks, you know, hey, I'm sure White and Sam would love to talk to you afterwards. And they're, you know, they're, they're pretty open about their life and what they've been through. So if you have any similar struggles and you want some encouragement, please feel free to talk to them. So second person we're going to have come up uh, here this morning is, oh, yes, middle, I'm sorry, middle schoolers. You guys can go ahead and head out now. Uh, Thank you guys for sticking around and listening to your leaders share about their life. So, The other person coming up today is Summer Ward, and um, she is going to share with us this morning, so really appreciate her as well. Yes, let's get Summer around. What's up, Wellspring? How are you? Um, so uh, I, I'm honored to be able to share how the Jesus Way sermon series has impacted me, even though I do have a very strong fear of public speaking, which counseling fact is the number one most common phobia for people, so I'm not, I know I'm not alone. So doing a little exposure therapy on myself today. Um, so in, in one of the sermons um, Bob preached, it was called The Way of Clarity, He talked about the disciples often missing the point, just really being blind to the heart of what Jesus was trying to say. And that was really, well, actually, Bob said, I'll go ahead and read this. He said, as the church of Jesus Christ, we miss the point all the time. We get lost in the weeds, get caught in various agendas and petty issues that distract us from the bigger picture of what God is doing. And probably the first half of the Jesus Way sermon series, that's exactly what I was doing, totally missing the point. And I would leave on Sundays and, I mean, just like huffing and puffing, like totally mad at Bob um, because it was easier to be mad at Bob than God. And I would get in the car, and I would be all sassy with Russ. I was like, well, I just don't know what that means for me. And it better not mean adopting a child like all these other families in this church because I am not going to do it. And, um, yeah, I'm a little sassy. And then I also was like, and, you know, this downward way, living sacrifice crap. Um, If that means I cannot go get my nails done, um, then I'm not going to do it because I love getting my nails done. So, Anyway, you can tell I'm the baby in my family. I'm the youngest of three girls, and we um, t- kind of a spoiled child. We, my sisters and I joke uh, the difference between us when my dad gives uh, my oldest sister, Jana, a $20 bill. She says, oh, no, Dad, no, I don't need that. My middle sister, Shannon, when she gets a $20 bill, oh, thanks, Dad. When I got the $20 bill, it was like, that's it? Come on. I want more. Um, so anyway, I was just really bothering, I was really bothered and squirming in my seat during the sermons, trying to figure out what the messages meant for me. Um, I was really fearful that if I surrendered to the Jesus way that God was going to ask me to give up something that I liked, um, ask me to do something I didn't want to do, or just more than I was already doing. So my prayers kind of went like this. I was asking, I was asking, isn't what I'm doing enough, God? I have all these counseling clients I'm pouring into. Does that not count because it's my profession and I make an income? I have two children to raise. Does my role as a mom not count? I have a chronic illness that renders me tired all of the time. What more do you want? Um, The problem with that is that I was reducing the Jesus way to 
do's and don'ts um, and whether or not I was measuring up or doing enough. So I really felt very condemned and pressured. I wanted to, you know, I wanted a clear, like, here are the things you have to do to measure up in the Jesus way, and I want to have enough boxes checked so that I could feel worthy as a person. So then came the sermon, The Way of Purpose. And Bob said one sentence at the very end of that sermon that really impacted me, made me cry. Um, and no, I do not have a problem with the way of tears like Bob does. I, um, so anyway, he said, it is not about what you do, but who you are becoming. Bam, that was it right there. A transformed heart, a surrendered spirit, less of me, more of God. And as the heart transforms, your attitude changes, growth occurs, and your character is built. And from there flows whatever particular do's and don'ts God has for you. Um, It's not about performance and perfection, but it's about humility and surrender. A few weeks later after that sermon, uh, I went to the women's retreat that was held here, and we had a very lengthy time of solitude. And we looked at depth at the Lord's Prayer. And at the time, I was focusing on the part that says, Thy kingdom come. And the scriptures that were given given to us to read that had to do with his kingdom were um, from Luke 6. And I'm going to read you a quick passage here. Um, It's the Beatitudes. God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Okay, that's it. Um, So I wrote in my journal, uh, God's kingdom is one of abundance Joy, satisfaction, fulfillment, and blessing. It is not one of drudgery, emptiness, discontent, scarcity, punishment, and fear. And I was thinking that surrendering to the Jesus way was going to leave me empty, feeling fear, punishment, scarcity. But that is not the case. His kingdom is goodness. Yes, Bob emphasize the Jesus way is hard. It's very hard. Jesus way is also good. Um, he, Bob said in one of his sermons, um, the cross in all of its gore and shame was victory and power in the form of apparent defeat. So yes, it requires sacrifice, humility, and a dying to self, but Jesus way is also good. Um, it ends in the resurrection So there is a resurrection, and I want to read Romans 6, 5, and it says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So it ends in being raised to life. So this helped me tremendously to be able to trust God more and surrender more of my heart to his way, knowing that his way and really believing his way is good. So that day at the women's retreat, I also wrote in my journal, Lord, 
forgive me for my self-righteousness, my desire to look good and to bring glory to myself. Forgive my arrogance and condescension. Forgive my overspending and mismanagement of money. And forgive me for trying to manage, fix, control, and criticize Russ. That's my husband. (laughs) I think I mentioned him earlier. And I know. Go ahead. Poor Russ living with me. Okay. So I have been a Christian since like eight years old. Um, And for whatever reason, my transformation process has been really, really slow. Um, So I'm stubborn. I have a rebellious spirit. Um, And so my way for a long time has been I want what I want when I want it, and I really want it now. Um, So I have made jokes with Russ that he's the giver and I'm the taker, um, which isn't really funny. And it's not too far from the truth, though. Uh, My heart has been about glorifying self, and this has caused me to be overly concerned with my image and my performance. And being concerned with the image you're portraying and your performance with everything leads to unbearable anxiety and pressure. Um, For a long time, I was waking up in the morning um, and just dreading work, dreading going to work because I had so much anxiety. I felt I had to prove myself as a therapist. And um, I, this is really kind of embarrassing, but I would catch myself in fantasies of people saying, oh, that Summer Ward, she is so amazing. She is such a great therapist. I really wanted the glory. And uh, my attempts to control Russ and my critical spirit toward him was because I was worried about how he was going to make me look. Um, so this way of living, this selfish, glorifying self way of living, leads to a lot of discontent. Um, and, sorry, I lost my place. And a seeking of more, bigger, better. Um, that is so much a part of our culture. But you guys, it's never enough. The self is a bottomless pit. Um, there, you can't satisfy it with more, bigger, better. The more you get, the more you want. It leaves you empty. And I know you guys talked about that emptiness. I felt that too. And this also glorifying self way I was living led to um, terrible mismanagement of my money. Um, Starting the counseling practice in the last year, um, we were blessed financially very quickly. And I just squandered a lot of that. And also did not save enough money for taxes. And so I just recently found out I owe a lot of money for taxes, for income taxes. And just when finding that out, I just felt very, just made a mess of things and very broken. And about the same time I found out about how much money I owe, um, I, uh, Justin preached the way of death. And I felt like a death. But it was good. It was a good death because I was finally ready to surrender my money and um, my choices in spending to God. Um, Dying is hard, but dying is good. And as I've been trying to work on dying to self, and I'm literally asking, okay, how can I die to myself today? Um, There's been a lot of relief and no longer trying to make a name for myself. The pressure is off. Um, There's just a lot less worries. Um, The benefit of the Jesus way of death is actually contentment and freedom. Um, At this time, dying to self is is really just happening for me in in daily moments. 
Um, so I'm letting Russ be Russ more often. I'm not perfect at that yet. Um, and just keeping my mouth shut when I want to criticize or control him. I'm waking up with a lot less anxiety because uh, my counseling practice is God's. And he's going to work through me to, to bless people. And it's not about them thinking I'm fabulous. Um, and then going without and saying no to myself. And that's even as small as um, I had a habit of going and getting cups of coffee and buying them at Pronto Cafe and Dunkin' Donuts when I can make coffee for myself at home and um, spending money when I shouldn't. And I also started saving a huge chunk of my income for the business and saving it and being a good steward of it um, and uh, for taxes, and then we also give weekly. And it's funny because as soon as I started doing that and I said, all this is yours, you just tell me what to do with it and I will say no to myself if I need to. It, it, the money, I had a bunch of back insurance companies owed me a bunch of money and all of a sudden that started coming through. And every week I look at my balance and I have to decide, okay, am I going to honor God with this money? And so um, that's what happens when you're own your own business. You're in complete control of it. And that's scary. Anyway, okay, so um, what else do I want to say? I think that's it. Oh, I wanted to read one more scripture. Um, oh, yeah, don't love money, Hebrews 13.5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. And that's what I'm trying to live out um, I want to be a good steward of what he's given me. I definitely have a long way ago to go, but I'm noticing a shift, and I'm able to trust God's way, and I have a lot less anxiety. I know his way is good and will bring about his kingdom in my life, and his kingdom in my life is where the abundance and fulfillment can be found. So, thanks. She did not somebody, seem like somebody who's anxious in front of people, did she? Just like, man, if that's what anxiety looks like, whoosh, great job. And I think, you know, for her, uh, what I heard um, on her journey through this series has been a reorienting in her mind and her heart about the intentions and, and kind of the character and nature of God, that he doesn't ask us to do all these challenging things to ruin our life. <laughs> It's exactly the opposite. He does it because he knows that it, we're going to be more fulfilled and satisfied when we're living in his way than the current way that we are living. So sometimes it begins there. The change process is I need to change my understanding of who God is so that when I do these actions, I, I'm seeing it through a filter of a God who's for me and who loves me and desires good things for me. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I just want to encourage you all. You know, we're going to move on next week, and you have the opportunity, if you want, to just move on as well, and to not really take the time to sit with this, and, and to really maybe ask God, and maybe go back through some of the sermon topics online and say, God, you know, what's going to be the one or two things that I really take away? Because you're not going to take away a million things, but if there's even just a couple from our sermon series that you can say, Lord, I know you spoke to me about that, and I need to dig in on that, and I need to invite some other people into my life to process that with and talk through and be praying for me so that I can really begin to change. Um, so as we head into communion and kind of wrap up our service this morning, I was reading 
about uh, communion this morning and the devotion I was reading. And it was talking about the, the elements themselves, uh, the grapes and the grain that make up this, this bread and, and juice that we drink. Um, that both of those things, a um, couple things about them, they both have to be kind of crushed in order to become what they become, right? The grapes are crushed into juice. The, the grain is, is crushed, and it's also separated out from the chaff, the useless parts to, to create something. But also something about that is that it, it, they also lose their individuality in the process as well. What was a single grain of wheat or a single grape becomes mixed in now with uh, a community of grapes and grain to become the bread and, and the juice that we drink. And those are just great illustrations and reminders of, for our life that we are the body of Christ and that each of us has to lose our individuality in some ways to become a part of God's family and his body and his representatives. And, and we're only at our best when we're working in unison with one another because I don't have all the gifts and abilities that everybody in here does. I need so many things that you guys bring to the table in order to make this church what it is. Um, so just important reminders as we come that a part of the process for us of becoming more like Jesus is being crushed, having that, that self-centered way in us kind of ground out by a loving Father who wants to make us into something beautiful as well. So we're going to enter into communion. The way we'll do that, because I know we have a lot of new people here, is I'm going to pray and just give a time of silence, and then the ushers will dismiss you, um, and you'll come up, and you'll tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup, and then you can take and eat it. And we also have some gluten-free crackers up here if that's a need for you as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, this journey we've been on in learning more about your son and the way that he operated. And God, we know that so many times it's, it flies in the face of our culture. It flies in the face of that self-centered nature in all of us that um, there's just a, there's a rebellious spirit in, in us all. And even in some of us that are just maybe more compliant, there's even sinfulness behind that as well as we try to please people and, um, you know, we're willing to do whatever in order to keep people happy, even if it means disobeying you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us. And even as we sit in silence, maybe for a little bit this morning, that you would maybe bring to mind just one or two things from this series that you're just like, man, I really want you to hang on to that. I really want you to wrestle with this and, and, and commit to the process of change in order to become more like me. So we thank you that, um, God, you give us this, this bread and this juice this morning as a reminder of your love for us. And we just give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name.